0: information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts.
1: So you've decided you want more out of your life, more than the nine to five more than paycheck to paycheck, more than lifelong debt. But that leaves questions. Where do I go from here? What can I do without any money, connections, or experience? Our goal is not only to provide you with answers to those questions, but also to motivate people in an authentic way, mentor people who don't have mentors, give back, and hear some inspiring stories along the way. If you're not going to show people what's possible, who is? My name is Aaron Eiler, and I'm April Munson, and this is
0: Ground Ground Zero. Zero. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dream Chasers Ground Zero. Today, we have with us Julian Sato. Julian, would you just mind sharing a little bit with us about who you are and what you do and to follow that up, the story of your personal ground zero moment and some of the things that you've learned from that to help you get to where you are today?
2: Yeah, so Julian Sado, as you said, you said my last name correct. Thank you. So basically, I am the uh, EVP of Learning and Development for EPM Mortgage, Uh work here. I live in Dallas, Texas, but a company is located in Atlanta. But you know, when you say what I do, oh man, I mean, I, I'm a behavioral coach. I'm an NLP practitioner. And I am the nerd of neuroscience. So I study neuroscience. And so I tie it into my business because I really focus on how the brain works and how people respond to from tone of voice to uh, interaction to body language to everything that we don't really think about. We just kind of let it pass past us and we don't think how it affects us emotionally but you know it really you just ask like my ground zero moment it really was one of the catalysts that got me into this stuff and I actually am an author because I wrote a book part of my story is about my father Uh, yeah he was um, he was an alcoholic you know he grew up in Hawaii but he grew up drinking beer at age seven you know he didn't know any better right so I don't have any ill towards him but I was 15 years old and I can say this freely, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't have the, I don't bleed out over it. I'm not emotionally torn over it anymore. I have scars, but I don't have a wound anymore. So, but when I was 15 years old, I had ditched school and uh, he found out like three or four days later because they sent letters in those days, they didn't have internet. Right. So uh, he came in my room when I was living with him in East LA and I was already, I just got beat up by the kids in the neighborhood because I was jumped every day. you know, so it was a pretty rough, rough environment. I lived in East LA in California. And um, he came in drunk and put a gun to my head, a shotgun, a double barrel sawed off shotgun and pointed and pushed me against the wall and put it against my head and said, I should kill you for ditching school. And because he knew my mom would get mad or whatever, but he was drunk. So he was literally just, and I've seen him drunk before. So I knew he can easily pull the trigger and not know what he did. I've seen him do things and not know it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when people get to that space where they don't know who, what they've done. And I was like taken back. And I said, will you shoot me? I'm gonna shoot you back. I said, something pretty stupid, you know, but he finally got a grip of himself. But I was after that, I was at a low point. I, I was miserable. I was literally suicidal. I went into his room when he fell asleep, saw the gun was loaded. The safety wasn't on. So it, it could have taken a sneeze to in my life right there right so I was literally at the desperate part of my life and I wanted to just die and I almost did literally and something happened on the radio that just it was one of those weird moments where uh, everybody's listening to sad music you know you realize your body leans towards what you feel and I was looking for sad music listening to sad music and a song came on that wasn't sad it was about lift up don't give up, don't dismay, it was like, you can do it. It was like, well, all this motivation song, it was like, came from nowhere. It wasn't upbeat, but it was, the words were like, they were talking to me personally and it just made me make a resolve at that moment. And a lot of people know this and I can say it freely. That's when I changed my name. I changed my name to Julian. And I literally said, I'm going to reinvent myself. I want to be something different. I don't want to be like this. I want to be something greater and I can be. And it's when I made that decision and became stronger mentally, that all these little nuances that just kept happening to me ended up becoming like moments, but they didn't last. It just was moments I could push through. And that's when I got more involved in just studying my own behavior and studying people. And I ended up learning and having a passion towards the mind and how it works and how emotions work and how depression works. And I've been like that ever since I was 15, I've been studying the stuff and I've seen it play out in my life, you know, from business, from consulting, Uh, I just joined EPM about seven months ago. I was a consultant, worked for 40 different mortgage companies and different medical companies and law firms and just really teaching others about how to understand the people around them and not focus on their intentions, but focusing on the perception that they throw out that they're not even aware of. So that's one of my low points.
1: Now, I just think it's a really, really powerful, I mean, story, I mean, to come from that, that's, that's a very serious. It's heavy, you know, yeah. I mean, and to, um, I love the, I love the moment that you, that you described that you quite literally just decided to reinvent yourself. Like you said, you changed your name and you mm-hmm. basically decided to just leave all that behind and like create yourself in a new way, shape and form. Yeah. And I think that's just so powerful because, A lot of us don't realize we can do that until we go through some sort of situation like that. And I think that, like, that's a really big thing, like, especially with young people now is like everybody's heard, like, the saying, like, the world is your oyster and you can do whatever you want and you can do all these things. But none of us have, like, the courage or whatever you want to call it to, like, actually go after that thing Mm -hmm. until we go through a situation that leaves us feeling like we have nothing left. Yeah. Where we are able to shed, you know, like, all the, preconceived notions that we have all the existing beliefs that we have because we say like here we are with absolutely nothing left I have nothing to lose now I can go pursue that one thing yeah because I have nothing else you know like at this point I have nothing to lose but like I feel like where I get caught up and where I see a lot of people especially my age is like we don't realize that we have the power to decide who we want to be what we want to be like right now like, you can do that right now. You don't need a big life-altering event to do that. Now, like, those are very big, um, what's the word? Like, uh, like those propel you into that situation. Like, you can say, like, that definitely motivated you to kind of remove yourself from that existing, like, environment. Where, like, that then pushed you to pursue a new direction. But I feel like a lot of young people now are just very quick to, like, accept the like thoughts and beliefs that other people impose upon them. I don't know if you 100%. have anything you want. Well, to add you know, to as that.
2: people don't realize that, that even when I went through that, only in, reinvented the outer layer. But there's so many layers that you have to address, and that's what I love the fact that I studied stuff. I was mentored by a man by the name of Jim Rohn, who was famous motivational speaker and influencer. He met me when I was in another low point in my life because I got into kickboxing. I was a fighter, which I didn't tell you, but that's when I got into kickboxing and it's unfortunate that people don't realize that you know you just said something they change through inspiration or desperation is what i feel you know either you're inspired to change or you're forced to change right and the goal is to change because you're inspired but most people are waiting for some moment unintentionally they're waiting for something to push them to change and um when i did that i went and got into kickboxing and i became no i became good at kickboxing i didn't want to get my butt kicked anymore i got tired of getting my ass kicked everywhere i went i said i'm african-american but i look hispanic and i grew up in an all african-american community so but then, then I, got I got boxing tybo became famous and ended up creating an empire of boxing programs in california and did very well with it but if i hadn't had that drama that happened i would have never gotten into kickboxing so it was almost like one of the things that became my struggle became my strength over time right and people don't realize that because to your point we're always selling everything supposed to be happy and good and easy and it's like everything's one two three program and you'll be like me and you'll have my green screen oh I mean my boat you know it's like this whole concept that life's supposed to be so easy in some ways it is because you can get access to anything so fast but to actually make it worth your while it has to have some kind of struggle to it, it has to have some effort that you aren't sure you can get through and you do. And then you appreciate that thing you have because you recognize the effort you put towards it. And I think we've lost that a lot in our, in our culture, uh, because we bought into like the snake oil, if you will, as being the true oil.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love what you just said there. And I mean, a couple of things that it makes me think of um, very similarly, like quotes that I've heard is like that people often move toward pleasure or away from pain. Like, like I said, very similar to the inspiration and desperation thing. Like just that, I mean, you either have some sort of ideal, some vision, some goal that you want to achieve, that you're striving for, clawing for, whatever you want to call it, that you're like working day in and day out to achieve, or you kind of have something back here that you're running from, that you mm-hmm. want to just get as far as possible away from wherever it was that you came, like through that situation. And then yeah. another that, um, that I've personally found uh, as well, like even that I'm doing today as well as yourself, just that your mess becomes your message Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that, you know, like whatever that situation is, you get to a point that you're like, you know, like I really did make it through that. And despite all the bad stuff that happened, I'm still here. And I made it through that. And then you look around and you just all of a sudden start seeing all these people that are going through something very similar. And then all of a sudden you start talking to your friends and you have something that you can explain to them that about how you got through it and then you can help them and you're like wow there's people that can benefit from this and then you start to kind of be like your own little advocate Mm -hmm. and you start to tell your story and realize that people can take something from that and incorporate it into their own lives and that's where I think like um like you just said like you've done very well with that and it's just something that I mean you're really just telling your story you're telling your personal experience of how you got through that thing but just so many people can use that because so many people just don't I mean I'm trying to think of how I want to word it just nowadays, like a, such a high percentage of us really don't know how to navigate that stuff.
2: Yeah. I have a, I have a theory on that because of the neuroscience I study. You know, it's interesting that if you were to take, I don't know your age, but I, I'm not saying there's any differences, except there is when it comes to the neural pathways, like there is a thing called the mirror neurons. I don't know if you heard of that or not. It been something discussed on your show before, but they're showing that the Z generation, people that have grown up in video games, that they didn't develop what they call a mirror neuron in the brain that allows you to have empathy towards each other and to feel like you're connected. And that, that connection starts in childhood when you're playing football in the front yard or having sports and having this interaction with each other and the pheromones that you're picking up and the challenges and the sweat and tears and laughter. Those things create that neuron where it opens, it's like a driveway a driveway for the empathy Hormones, and they found that the Z generation has less of that, and it, it because they grew up with their friends on a two D screen, and they don't have the same type of interaction that they had when I was a kid, right? And I think the subconscious, you know, doesn't know the difference between real and fake. So if I look at a picture of Thailand, subconsciously, I feel like I've been there, but in reality, I've never tasted, smelled it, really picked up the scent, rubbed the tree there, been bit by a bug there. The things I haven't felt, but consciously I feel like I've experienced it, but subconsciously I know I haven't. So there's almost this constant cognitive dissonance inside the, the brain of like I've seen everything, but I've seen nothing at the same time. You know, so it's kind of weird that we're in this weird place. Cause like before I even told you, it's another time of my life, I was in the inner, I went from fitness. Well, I went from entertainment to fitness, so I was an, I was a talent agent, and I worked in Hollywood, and I worked with some major celebrities. Matter of fact, I helped discover Jlo Jennifer Lopez, and it was one of those big moments in my life, but I was miserable, and I wanted to talk about that's the thing that people forget. Even though I reinvented myself, I was still myself, and so I was self-sabotaging because of my own feelings of self-worth after that moment. I never really took into account what that made me feel. And I was changing for the wrong reasons in the beginning. Does that make sense? I was changing, ostracizing myself. And so I got so conditioned of being ostracized. that when things were going good for me, I started pushing myself into positions where I would still feel ostracized. So because I felt so alone that if I felt like I wasn't alone, then something was wrong. And that's the subconscious tr- almost sabotaging your success. And I think a lot of people do that. To themselves without recognizing. it. so that's what I like to help people with now.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I feel like that's something that I even catch myself dealing with sometimes that like, um, you know, I started this show a little bit over a year ago. I release episodes weekly. I have conversations like this, you know, multiple times a week. And I really just love, you know, networking with everybody and, you know, like sharing these stories mm-hmm. and, you know, getting our messages out there. In you know through through experience in a way you know but at the same time like like I love what I'm doing and I think that there's a lot of value to it and you know I'm really starting to try and like start pushing this a little bit more to get more attention here because I know there's a lot of value in the conversations that we're having but at the same time like there's times where it still feels wrong in a sense where like I like what I'm doing I feel like I'm on the right path but there's just some days that it's like something still kind of feels off mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I kind of relate what, to what you were just saying, where like you were, you're changing, you're on that path and you start to feel a little bit better, but there's still some type of disconnect.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your, in, in, in science now, they're actually proving it. It's your cells have memory. And they found that there's 40,000 brain-like cells in the heart and whatever you've experienced emotionally as a child, your, your body wants to go back to, it's always going to push you back to that narrative of how you felt as a child. And that's why I tell leaders to learn how to lead from a perspective of we're all children in a schoolyard versus we're at a company dressed in suits. If you can really put it in perspective, everything you feel is the same feelings you felt since childhood. You know, We all have those those triggers. I hate using that word because it becomes so watered down, but it really is a trigger that says, okay, this is happening. This is how I feel about it. And we don't second guess the feeling. And it really, that's what I do. I kind of step back and observe myself as a third party. I know it sounds crazy, but I kind of look at why am I behaving this way? And where did I first feel this? And what did it come from? And why? Am I, what am I taking from it? Is this a way to protect myself from this? You know, it kind of talk myself through what I'm feeling. And then what do I choose to want? And what am I doing this? Why am I here doing this on purpose right now? Why is this something I, I'm naturally desiring to do? And I think a lot of people, like I work with some people right now that say, I don't know what I want to do in life I just don't know I'm not happy here and it really isn't being happy here because if you're not happy here you won't be happy anywhere and that's the whole lesson it's like there is no happiness anywhere it's it's a choice that you have right now in any moment to be happy and then if you choose to go here then be happy there but also know when you're not happy that's still a moment it's still yours and I own it you know and I think we we have this understanding that we're not supposed to ever be sad and that's just as important as being happy this is a Same coin with different side. We have to embrace those things and not be and be okay with that. It's okay what you just said. You should feel that. You'd be surprised how many people that you might admire, from Simon Sinek all the way up to Joe Dispenza to Anthony Robbins, feel the exact same thing. You know, every celebrity feels like they're a fraud every at least once a day. You know, so it's 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 a normal function of life.
1: Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I feel like that reminds me of a conversation I've been having a lot lately, just that um, like most of it, like a lot of people I've met and especially a lot of people my age don't realize like that you define what your version of success looks like to the point that like, especially like with where social media has gone these days. Like we get on social media and we think what success looks like is expensive suits, jewelry, cars, things, big old house, beachfront, whatever that is. And like, that's what in a way society has pushed on us for us to believe is cool is success. And that's where like a lot of people are now like striving for those things because they think once they get there, that's what happiness looks like. And that's where I really like what you just said, where like you could be having an extremely bad day, but decide to be happy. And I think that that's like so powerful just because like, yeah, like things might not be going well right now, but you can look around and decide, you know what I mean? Like I have a roof over my head. I have friends here. I have, you know, all that I need to survive. Why aren't I happy right now? Why, why is this not enough? And a lot of us can kind of attribute those questions just to the fact that we have some other false belief that we need more to be happy when really we, we don't, it's just a mindset.
2: But you know what sonny you just said it we think having things means i'm financially secure and we think financial security means happiness and there's the that's the rub you know it's like and one thing i've learned when you're in finance or focusing on money it will always bring a form of stress you you, you know and getting it maintaining it measuring it making sure it's in the right place right time. That is going to be a constant stress unless you visualize stress in a different way. And I think we need to really redefine what stress is and redefine what struggle is. I, I To your point, I, I know, I mean, think about what's going on in our world today. Where would you rather be, here or? You know, think about some other places you could be right now that aren't so happy. So it's relative. I think happiness is a relative statement. I think the the concept of happiness is a temp- even the word itself means temporal. It is not something that's longevity. It is a passing feeling that comes with what I think people don't think about because they associate it with spirituality is joy. Just having joy about the fact that you can have joy. Is all there is. And when you get, I know it sounds loose, like woo woo, but it really is a truthful fact that when we can find joy and we find joy in giving of others, that's why you like doing what you're doing. You know, you have a feeling you're helping others. And when you know you help others that produces a feeling of joy, the dopamine that gets in your body. And there's where your heightened amygdala wakes up and your heightened neocortex and you're more aware of your life and you're experiencing the moments. So it's like falling in love for the first time. It's the same chemical um, that just populates in your body. And that's what we strive for. We get it more and it's long lasts longer when we serve others versus getting for ourselves. And so it's, it's proven that serving others is the ultimate desire of the human being, is the human spirit, is to serve each other. And when we think of success, it's about getting for myself. And there's where the rub goes. That's where people find their dis, disdainment and they struggle within because, because of that. And we sold that as what joy is and it really is.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I think that we all have so many like existing definitions of things that are so far off base. Yeah. That and it creates just such a level of confusion that like we all run around and we think we're pursuing one thing, but in all reality, it's something completely different
2: or running yeah. from something, right? Either pursuing or yeah. running. So it depends right. on you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that reminds me of another question, uh, not a question, another um, conversation I've been having a lot lately with people um, uh my editor April being one she'll be um, going back through this later on today. But um, one of the things that we had a conversation about just recently was that like, you know, a lot of people that aren't really feeling happy in what they're doing right now, you know, just kind of feel, you know, lost, where they kind of lack that inspiration, they don't really know where they are right now they don't really know what they want to do they just know they feel unhappy. In this kind of space and time. And um, in one of my conversations on here uh, recently, I had a conversation with a guy that said um, something along the lines of whatever you enjoyed most doing as a kid, do more of that. And I think that reminds me a lot of like the point that you had just made earlier, where like innately, we're kind of always going to feel very similar to the way we did as children. We have those same triggers. We have those same emotions where like that's why doing those things that we enjoyed as children, that's where our memory is. That's why we like doing those things the most, because that was where we found like the most joy at the time. And some of that is just, I mean, to me, like, obviously you can call me out on this. I'm far from an expert on any of this stuff, but like um, to me, that's where we found like the most joy because like, as we grew up and started to like understand more things going on, like we found less joy in those things because there's too many other things kind of like clouding that where we can't just be 100% in that moment enjoying that thing where like as a child you don't worry about money you don't worry about any of those other things where it's just you in that moment doing that thing and enjoying it for what it is where like now our minds are always elsewhere our focus is always on something else even if we're trying to unplug by doing something that we enjoy whether that's you know working out playing a sport playing a video game even just like any of those things where we're trying to like focus and de-stress I feel like we can't focus on that thing because we're like allowing those other thoughts and stressors to come in and cloud that experience.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I think clouding the experience is combined with that and it goes, there's like 20,000 layers in that, but one of them is we're self-aware compared to children. You know, it's like children will be expressive and have fun. And you, you know, think about when you see a child and the child smiles at you and you'll smile black because you mirror your environment. And what happens is when you see a child, you know that child is not judging your hairstyle or your mustache or how tall you are or how fat you are. You have a pimple on your face, you know, but when we become self-conscious, that is the noise that we hear in our head. And it starts, we start second guessing those natural instincts that we want to do. And I think when a lot of people, I work with clients now, I find a lot of people are just not expressive. They feel they can't express who they are. In their environments. And this is why I teach in leadership, letting people express themselves at work, use their creativity in your business so you don't have to worry about people feeling low and feeling like what happens is they get to be childlike and reward the effort, not the end result. Because, you know, a child, when they came home from drawing a piece, drawing a coloring book, and they drew past the lines, the parents still said, It's a great job. You did a really good job. They rewarded the effort. They didn't say, well, you know, you really should have gotten between the lines. You're only three, but I expect more from you. They don't do that, right? But now as an adult, we still have this expectation. We have to be perfect versus just being expressive. And we start second guessing, should I sing out loud? Because people are looking at the way my nose flares when I sing, that's adulthood, you know? So we've stifled the emotional spirit of ourselves, which is really just being expressive and engaging each other. And to your point, yeah. The noise is loud. It's extremely loud, especially now because we're, we package ourselves as if we're not packaged and saying, this is who I am naturally. And like I said, the subconscious doesn't know the difference between real and fake. So as we see things, we we take it as being truthful. That's why you your heart will start palpitating at a scary movie. You know, it's fake, but your subconscious doesn't.
1: No, I love that a lot. I feel like that's something that I've even struggled with. And I know a lot of people that struggle with now especially like my generation um that like there's so much like i mean i've even gone to lengths to call myself an overthinker like to just the point that like we like like i love the point that you made that your subconscious doesn't know the difference because we like make these things up in our head like (laughs) like because because we noticed one time that our nose flares when we sing like you just said like and now you can't stop noticing it because because you saw it one time, but nobody else will ever notice it, but you'll let that keep you from ever doing it again. Yep. And like, but it's all something that you noticed one time and that nobody else may even know that you do,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: yet you let that hold you back from, from joy, from expression, from everything. And yep. like that, that's like so baffling to me because like, cause you literally made it up in your own head, yeah. it, but, but it holds you back from so much like emotionally
2: yeah, I know it's funny. I tell people all the time, I have a I have an inner circle meeting with my, I have a bunch of people we meet with and I love challenging people. And they say I was raised and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, as I always challenge them, it's like, you were raised. Let's see. Like cattle is raised to be slaughtered. Sheep is raised to, you know, give sheep, you know, they give what they give. You weren't raised. You're still growing. You don't, you stop growing when you die. But other than that, your responsibility is to continue to grow and that's to observe you, you know, uh, that's really to observe you. Every spiritual culture speaks on observing human plight, like understand the subconscious and the conscious, and how their duality and the battle within, um and even the African try uh, African uh, quote says, if you can beat the enemy from within, there's nothing outside of you that can harm you and it's so true because that's your biggest battle is internal and my mentor Jim Rohn taught me that he goes when he looked me in the eye and said are you okay I'm okay he goes you're not he goes you got an enemy and I go he goes and you are it and if you ever want to talk let me know because I will tell you exactly what your enemy is telling you right now and that was my saving grace he really took time to look me in the eye and tell me about me and it was one of those things that I justified every action I had and every thought because it was my identity, but he helped me understand things that we're just now saying out loud. It's funny. What's becoming the mainstream, like social self-help programs, one of the metaphysics and the neuroscience. He was teaching me that stuff 20 years ago, literally. And I'm like, and I, my wife would tell you, I've been speaking about this stuff and people are now that are making, you know, they're known for being influencers of talking to it. I'm like, that's what I said, you know, but they probably took it from him. So it's just funny, because we're now starting to catch up. And I think some people in the Z generation are starting to catch up too. they're starting to realize there's more to life than, you know, just chasing the money. But it really goes back to understanding the heart behind it and your subconscious and your, your character, you know, really understanding who I am as an individual. It's going to go way far to the right or left, however you want to look at it. It's going to get really eccentric to some extent, but it always does before it levels out. So we're jumping really far over and then we're going to find a middle ground eventually.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like I can see that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot more people, young people kind of jumping into like the mainstream, like with different things like this that, I mean, I would guess have been said before, they're not necessarily coming up with these on their own, but I've, I've just noticed a couple of things like that as well. But, um, I feel like that reminds me a lot of like people that struggle with like negative self talk mm-hmm. or that like um I mean, in myself included like just people that are extremely like hard on themselves, I mean they like, demand success out of themselves, but at the same time, like in doing that, they can set unreasonable standards, they can set different things that like can truly affect so much of the rest of their lives just because yeah. of that that thing, and I feel like we put um trying to think of a good word. Like, I don't want to necessarily say like an unreasonable amount of pressure on ourselves, but it's enough that it then like affects so many other things in our lives, as far as like joy and happiness go, like, as you said, Mm -hmm. just because of the way that you talk to yourself. And I mean, in some people, it works. Some people, they are able to motivate themselves with that type of talk, but other people, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, is there any way that like young people today or really just anybody out there listening in right now can start to like monitor the way that they're talking to themselves and try to make that change as far as I, like, if I say this,
2: people aren't going to like what I give you. They're not going to like the answer. I said, I'm assuming that's wrong with me. I shouldn't assume I challenge anybody <laughs> to do what I'm about to say. And I have a group of people have done this and I'm telling me the, the conversations I have after this, they're like, they're in shock. And it's going to sound really weird, but I would say, try this as long as you can, but commit to 24 hours without any social media, TV, music, or noise. If you're gonna have any noise, let it be classical or jazz, but nothing with words because the body, the subconscious picks up everything. You have a commercial on that says, hi, I have a mesophilioma. Well, you're telling yourself you have mesophilioma, right? The subconscious is taking that all in. There is nothing that the body can fight when it comes to the subconscious. You gotta know every sound, every word, is being absorbed, you're picking up over 4 billion bits of information per second or minute, I can't remember which one it was, but all day long. If you can do that for 24 hours, literally just put your phone away, realize if anything happens, there's gonna be somebody nearby with a phone, you don't need to take it with you, and literally try to cut out social media and noise for 24 hours you start hearing your own thoughts and you start actually introducing yourself to you. And you, you're like, well, who is this person? Where, where's this thought coming from? It's it's almost like you've had good ideas in the shower, right? Have you had good ideas come to you when you're in the shower? It's because oh, yeah. that's one of those moments where your body actually does shut down from all social media and it's so, from all else. And you actually it's a form of meditation when you're in a shower and the water's hitting you, your eyes are closed and you're focusing on what you're feeling. All of a sudden you get ideas well imagine doing that for 24 hours it will blow your mind and i've had people come to me go dude i didn't understand what was happening at first it was really uncomfortable and then now they look forward to it so every once a week 24 hours a sunday i usually go a sunday um, and then three days a month like from friday to to monday morning it is mind-blowing and i i try to get young generation i should call them younger people that just grew up with the phone to try that i've had people do it for four hours and like dude just the four hours gave me so many ideas and i started writing i started drawing And it's like that's great and another thing i would tell people it's just really a unique experience is to actually use a pen and paper and write what you're feeling versus typing it does do something to the neural cortex of the brain and it does associate memory and true feelings with, with the finger and hand it's just a really unique way we forgot that because we use typewriter for everything but Those are two things that people get in touch with. And I would tell them that, and again, talk to yourself, literally talk to yourself. You know, it's not real um, and look and appreciate your struggle. I I love my struggles because it just gives me power. It just does. I know I can get through it. And you look through all the struggles you've been through and realize any passion you have or any desire you have, that is your God-given passion. Um, And you don't have to make money on it. Like when I teach seminars, I can be in front of 3000 people. And I'm like, I don't care if it's 3000 or if it's five, I'm going to give the same energy because there's one person I need to address right now. And just so you know, true story, there was a company I worked with and my son who's a, he's 21. Now he was very young. He was 16 at the time. He tried to commit suicide. I mean, he was going through a lot and I was traveling so much, dude, Aaron, I traveled so much that I looking back, of course he was confused. I mean, he grew up in Texas. He's a musician surrounded by a bunch of sports buffs and he's, you know, curly hair loving music right felt out of place he tried to commit suicide and i was out of town and i was like i had to get home and the company told me i couldn't go home imagine that they said you got to stay and teach this seminar i'm like i quit i'm done i left and they were like well you never get a job here again and we'll pretty much badmouth you in the and you know in your circuit i'm like f you i gotta go so i quit i didn't know what i was going to do got home everything worked out He's fine. He's now a strong person, talks about it now, helps people. But in that process, Aaron, this is what's so unique about the struggle. In that process, I didn't know what I was going to do. And guess what? I'm driving down the street. And I just said, I need to waste time and do nothing for a little while. I just need to find something to get my mind off of this. So I went inside a gym that was brand new and they had boxing bags there. And I said, hey, I used to be a kickboxer. And dude, they grabbed me like, dude, can you teach for us? We don't have any teacher and everybody's wanting someone to teach. And we have all these people taking tours. I'm like, dude, I'm so old. I can't teach a boxing class anymore. Are you kidding? They're like, just, we'll give you free membership. Just try it. Just do it for a little while. We need a teacher like now. And I'm like, fine, I'll try it. So I found music on YouTube and just put together a little compilation of music. I had a boom in class. It had a waiting list. It grew. I, I did there for like five months. I did it. But the crazy thing why I'm bringing this up, because this one lady said, Hey, can you train my daughter? just give her one or two sessions. And I was like, okay, fine. So I'm sitting there teaching this girl and I can tell something was wrong with her. And I told her, I said, Hey, do you want to talk? I don't know any of your friends, but I can see there's something going on. And she started, she looked at me and she said it with anger. She goes, you know what? I'm killing myself tonight, but I'm here to see you because I don't want my mom to bother me. I'm like, okay. So do you know what? Maybe you want to share what's going on. So if they ask, at least I can say, here's what she told me. Do you have anything you want me to know that I can tell them once you're gone? And I'm totally like just listening to her. We talked for three and a half hours, dude, why she bawled her eyes out. I believe what happened to my son was destined to happen. So what happened to me at that job, what destined happened so I could be at that gym, meet that girl. And now she's an influencer to young girls with body image. And so that's why I tell people your struggles are not yours. They're life. And it's for you to experience so you can live your life and your life is here to serve others, period. And if we can put that in perspective, there is no struggle. It's just a pleasure, non-pleasure. It's not as pleasurable, but it's not, it's not bad. It's just not as pleasurable. And that's all it is. I mean, there's pleasurable days, non-pleasurable days, but I'll take both because they're still my day. And that's why I just want to share that story.
1: No, I just think that's so powerful. I feel like I've always been someone that's kind of gone with like the everything happens for a reason type of mentality. Yeah. Just, um, I mean, I don't have as strong of an example, but I mean, I can just think of numerous times where like, you know, everybody's heard the saying, like, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Well, it's, it's very similar to that where just, you know, something goes wrong and, you know, you need to take some time to like reset and then all of a sudden the universe reveals some type of answer for you excuse me, whether that be through like an old friend reaches out, whether that be, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I, you know, whatever that thing was for you, I'm sure anybody can think of an example right now, but I mean, just like one of those times where you're like sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then something happens in your environment that just like clicks. And you're like, oh my God, why didn't I see this before? What, what is going on right now? Like the universe just has this funny way of like stripping you and then giving you everything you asked for You just have to be ready for it.
0: Yep.
2: hundred percent.
1: I mean, wow. I just, it's something, it's like nearly impossible to just wrap your head around the fact that like everything you want is there, like you already have it Hmm. and you just have to find a way to accept it. Basically. Like, I mean, we've all heard stories of, you know, athletes that have, you know, gone from you know where they are to the greatest i mean look at michael jordan he's a very obvious example you know he didn't make the high school basketball team became arguably the greatest basketball player of all time right. i mean yes he had some natural gifts he grew to what six foot six and was a freak athlete but you know what i mean <laughs> not that there, not that there was any lack of work though like right. obviously we all know what a hard worker he was and like we see you know what i mean like some of these influencers and stuff out there now and we all kind of like ignore the fact where they came from. Mm -hmm. but just like me and you, they all had a moment where they decided this is who I want to be. And they took that and then put in the work to become that person. Yeah. To be, to fulfill that image in themselves. I mean, and yeah, don't get me wrong. Some of that gets a little bit clouded because there's people out there that are posing, pretending to be this happy person. And yeah, secretly they're miserable, but there are people out there that like took this image that they wanted to become and just manifested that. Yeah. And just, I mean, had those internal conversations like you mentioned and yeah. figured out who they were and what they wanted to achieve. And that's one of the things that I love about like the concept behind this show, just because like ground zero for me is what it took for me to be able to have that internal conversation and figure out who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. Or, I mean, and some of that, like, I, did, I was at a very young age, I think I was 19, but like, it's just like, it was still in that moment that I wasn't able to draw out my entire future, but I was able to sit there and say like, okay, you know, I've been stripped of all of this. Now, what do I want to keep? What's, what is the most important thing to me that I want to have throughout the rest of my life? Like, Do I want to be close with my family? Do I want to be financially stable? Do I want to be, I mean, some of these are obvious, but like you can truly sit there in that moment and say like, okay, well, I have nothing right now. What do I want to have?
2: Right, you have nothing to lose I mean, either, can, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's the power. In it. like you said earlier, like you, you embrace your mistakes and your failures because you know those are going to give you strength. Those are going to bring you new opportunities. Those are going to bring you new experiences. And I mean, and that's just something that I try to preach on here that like people don't realize the strength in those things. Yeah, because like we've all been ingrained to hate failure, that we don't ever want to fail, that we don't ever want to do anything wrong. But we don't realize like, how important it is that we do. 100%.
2: You don't have success without the other. I mean, there's no such thing. That's where I think the society we've done it to ourselves by selling these quick programs that are supposed to be so easy to attain. It's never easy to be great. Because it's like, a seed that pops through soil is going to push against the soil to get to the sunshine. You have to have some pressure to be able to have a flower, right? The pressure is part of the success and embracing that like Spartans, you know, they, the rite of passage is a great comment and a great, you know, hero's journey, if you will, understanding that you have to come through a fight with a dragon and you're your own dragon, you're fighting yourself. And once you come to grips with that, there's nothing stopping you because even if you, are now beating the dragon, you still have to overcome smaller dragons, but now you know you've defeated the big dragon, which is you. And it's like, nothing scares you, just bring it. It's just, it's like a professional football team about to play Pop Warner. I got this, you know, you're know, you comfortable with it. I'm gonna play, I gotta deal with it, but I'm, I'm not worried about it. And that's what I think we need to look at life. If we can look at it from that kind of concept. You're the professional, you're the expert, you're the, you know, starting. And you're playing a pop warner team that you know that's still shaking in their boots you're not going to walk out there afraid and see it's a struggle you're just going to play the game and we just got to play the game and once you play the game knowing that you're going to win but still play it with complete conviction that's when people start seeing the power you have but a lot of us feel like we can't make it and yet we're trying to act like uh, that we can to others and what happens is we drain ourselves of our power because we haven't really put on the right uniform To play in the first place and we have to really prepare ourselves for that it's a it's a and it's not a book read i tell people all the time that's another thing i should say don't read so many books read the same book over and over get it ingrained in your head and apply it versus just read a book and say i read a book forget 98 percent of it and then read another book and tell people how great you are because you read all these books but you're still doing the same damn thing you did a year ago there's something wrong with that picture so if you can't read a book and apply what you read in that book then read it again and, and start putting some application to that and then start seeing the fruit and then start picking up another book. But, you know, and I say, read the damn book. Don't read Audible. <laughs> I say, read it, underline, write it, write your own words, come up with your own game plan, make your own book out of a book and make it yours. And that's another thing I tell people to do all the time. Write your own story, like really take a book and write it in your words. And you have your own book if you want, but you also have a story that's personal to you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really powerful example just where, you know, we don't think that we have that level of control, but we do. And we, we, get off, we, we get caught up in that thing, like you mentioned, like we're trying to read so many, we're trying to achieve so much just so we can tell other people how great we are. But in all reality, we're still back on step one because we haven't applied anything from any of the books that we read. Yet. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Obviously, that's just within that example. But like that can be applied to so many things in our lives right now, just because like we go through like whether we admit it or not, we experience things by the second and we can learn something from basically every experience that we have. But do we actually take something from that and reapply it towards the next minute, day, second, whatever you want to use? Yeah. No, 90% of the time we don't. But most of the time, I mean, I can't say most of the time for me, most of the time, (laughs) The times that I was able to learn from an experience and make sure that I learned what I needed to learn and then reapplied that was the experiences that hurt the most. Mm-hmm. Those were the experiences was where I was then, you know, running from something mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier yeah. that I was able to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I don't feel like this again. I mean, and yeah, there's been times where I've been inspired too, where I've said, you know, like, this is an image, this is an image, this is a vision that I really want to fulfill. This is where I really want to go. And I've been able to hear stories of other people coming from where they came from and reaching where they are now. And I was inspired by that. But at the same time, you have to take into effect like you can't just say like, oh, I went and saw Tony Robbins speak. And, you know, it was life changing and then tell everybody about it. But then you don't actually listen to what he's saying you're too caught up in the fact that you're listening to Tony Robbins speak and you can just you just can't wait to tell everybody about it yeah like listen to the words that he's saying listen to the things that he did and apply that do it in your life and you might get to where Tony Robbins is but if you're just kind of sitting there you put yourself um, a phrase my my middle school basketball coach always used to use was you're you're getting yourself to the game but you're not getting in the game That's good. Like you're you're getting in the stands. You are at the game. You're seeing everything happen, but you're not in the game. You're not living that moment. You're not in those shoes out there on the floor, you know, working with your team, you know, to win whatever. But the point is, like you are physically there, but you're not mentally there.
2: Right. I think that's because the game has nothing to do with the emotion, has to do with the task at hand. And that's where I know some very famous motivational speakers and they would tell you right now most of their money comes from repeat offenders they call them people that keep coming to the same event as if what they heard last time they missed it and they just keep coming it's that the event is what's changing their life and it has nothing to do with the event the event is two hours long their life is 365 days a year so it's the actions throughout the day it's not those two hours that make a difference and most people don't want to apply that they go they get tired they go watch netflix and you know, go back to bed and say, one day my life's going to change. It, it's, it's work, man. It's so much work, but the, the work is, it's really the definition of work is the problem. You know, it's just, it's funny. We'll spend time at a company eight hours a day doing something we don't like and call it work and go home and watch TV so we can relax saying we want to be successful. Well, the, the concept is different because if you add in the date, the time you spend two hours extra doing your Your passion, that's what you're getting paid those eight hours at that company you don't want to be at to do two hours of work. If you can flip the switch on that and realize I'm getting paid eight hours a day to spend two hours a night or two hours in the morning before I go to that job to work on my passion, that should change the narrative right there. It should be like, okay, I'm making a lot more money working on my passion because I'm getting paid eight hours worth of work to do my passion for two hours every morning. That should change the narrative, and people should be much more engaged in their passion, you know and that that's the that's the mindset
1: no, I mean that's just a prime example of just like a small shift in the way yeah. you think about it
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I mean, I've personally never heard it that way, and I feel like that even just helped me in a moment. I mean,
2: I'll send you a bill
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i don't I don't know what that's gonna run, but <laughs> um but no, I mean, I just love it just that you know it's it's really is just the way you think about it mm-hmm. I mean and we all like don't get me wrong I mean we all get caught up in in certain situations and, and you know we we feel the emotion of that and we let ourselves kind of slip sometimes like we that happens to everybody
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the way you think about it is the way that you bounce back from that you know like where you said like you know you know, you come home from work one day and you watch Netflix because you're unhappy, you're upset, you just want to decompress, whatever. But at the same time, like if you flip that, that like, yeah, I've been through that eight hours of work and now I have this amount of time to work on whatever I want, Mm -hmm. to work on where I want to go to whatever it is. Like, I mean, it's just that, that little switch. Yeah, I mean, I've had people use that analogy and they've been
2: able to get up extra early, you know? So I'm gonna go to, I've had people say, I go home and crash, Watch TV till ten or eleven o'clock at night, and then I get up at seven to go to work. I'm like, well, "Why don't you go to bed at seven thirty when you and then wake up at four, and spend those hours and figure pretend you're getting paid the eight hours of work to do the two hours of passion time, and you'll be there much sooner than you would watching Netflix every night, right?" And you're like, "Huh, I'll give it a shot." And it hurts at first. It's like somebody going to the gym. I always tell people, "Don't." go to the gym and try to work out like you've been there for six months, right? Or like a year, just show up to the gym, walk in, walk out. You do that three or four times. Eventually your body's going to say, I'm here. I might as well do a couple of weights. You do a couple of weights, go home. Eventually you're going to say, man, I should do more. I feel like doing more. You got to start. And when you start, the momentum is what pushes you forward. But what we look at is we see where we are and we see the end result. And we want that right now, And because just impossible to be here mentally, physically, and emotionally, we give up and we just go right back to where we are. We boomerang right back to where we started. And I think that's what we've done with this one, two, three step. You can have this. We've created a a scenario where it's impossible to get there unless you really start recognizing how you're responding to your, I call them not so-called failures, but the struggles. And so that's what I think what happens. We give up too quick and we don't really realize our own psyche in the process. And when you do that, it changes everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like, you that so that know, that's a $3,000 coaching session right there. I just gave you. <laughs> so. I'll have to see what I can do. Um, I'll, have to see what I, I'll have to see what I can scrape together. But, um, but no, that, I mean, that reminds me of an example I saw just recently. Um, I believe it was a speech by James clear, I think was mm-hmm. giving the speech. Um, and he was talking about, um, an example of someone that he knew, um, going to the gym. And he was saying that, like, I think he said for like six weeks straight, Um, the guy just got up and drove to the gym. That's it. He never went in. He just drove to the gym, drove home. But what he was doing was he was like building that habit of getting up, driving to the gym. And after he did it for so long, he then went in and he spent five minutes in there. Obviously he didn't do a whole lot in five minutes, but then he got used to spending got used to spending five minutes at the gym mm-hmm. and then he'd already built up the habit of going to the gym. So then he was nice. here. So he says, why don't I do something for five minutes? Yeah. He goes in for five minutes. And then after he gets used to that, he builds on, then he's there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you get used to that. Yeah. I mean, obviously we all can think of somebody out there that's spending four hours a day at the gym. Like I'm not talking about those guys. That's right. It. But and the but, girlfriend
2: pays their, their rent. I get it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's just that small little example of just building up those habits and that confidence where like now, obviously you feel comfortable getting up and driving to the gym. Okay. Well now you're here, Mm -hmm. you know, so I might as well go in and do something. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I think a lot of people kind of misrepresent that like they need to go in. And like you said, train, like they've been there for six years, six months. Like they're some type of Olympic athlete, like, no, you don't need to go in there and have the the biggest deadlift of anybody in there. Like odds are, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But, like, if you can go in there and, you know, just leave all that at the door and work on yourself for five minutes, you'll at least walk out feeling better than you did, yep. having not shown up at all. Yep. And I so just imagine doing that so in
2: business too. I mean, same thing with business. It's like same thing with learning a new trade or learning something, a skill that you haven't picked up before that you always wanted to do. Learning piano, or learning how to anything. It's the same adjustment. It takes time. It takes willingness to take time. And it takes effort to be consistent. Those are things that we lose in our sales pitch, you know. So, very more important things that we don't talk about in business. We're starting to. I think some sales pitches are starting to get the wind, and they're starting to say, "This is not going to be easy. You should try this." But I'm trying. It's going to take work. But they still talk the sales pitch game. So, uh, and they talk hyperbole to get you to buy. Um, And it's just, it's interesting because there's a couple of them out there and that use certain words and NLP that make people feel guilty. They don't buy. And I think it's, 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 it's unfortunate, you know, and I wish I can teach people what their subconscious picks up and they don't realize it. Like, you don't know this, but on your own show, I had you balking like a chicken because I hypnotized you, but you're not going to see it until you watch the recording. But, you know, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But I mean, (laughs) people were, we're hypnotized all the time by certain words because we associate guilt We associate joy. We associate things with what people say. And so you'll get a thousand emails from people and they use certain word choices because they were sold on some program that says, if you say this, you'll get more of this. You'll get more people responding. And so we already know we have this hypnotic way about us and we accept it in so many areas of our life and we don't really challenge it. And we should, we shouldn't be a sheep. We should really challenge what we're agreeing to just agree to. And I think once we do that, we do take, I hate to use this terminology because we associate, we do take a different pill. We kind of, wait a minute, wait, what am I listening to? And we don't, we put the stops on things. And we are willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, That makes us free spirited, but also makes us an anomaly to the majority. And when you can do that, you're, you, you feel more alive and you have less depression. You have less uh, struggles because you recognize it's not you it's noise telling you this is what you're supposed to feel, you know, and it's just amazing. I, I, it's just, it's funny. It's, it's liberating when people can learn what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a, um, a guest on here a little while back in a mentor of mine that more or less said, um, question everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Just, you know, just start to question everything you see, you hear, whether that be through social media conversations, anything like that. And you'll just start to build, like, believe it or not, you'll just start to continue building your self-awareness because then yeah. you start to ask yourself those questions. Why am I feeling like this? What am I thinking right now? Where does this all come from? I mean, and you're just building self-awareness and that like, not only does that accelerate those internal conversations, but it brings your attention to it all the, all the more quickly yeah. that you can then say, you know, have those conversations, yeah. um, but no, uh, just extremely powerful, absolutely value-packed episode here today. Um, I know we're right at the cusp of our time here. So I just want to say thank you so much for being here and, and being willing to come onto the show just to share your perspective, ideas, and experiences. I mean, extremely, extremely powerful episode here. Uh, one last question I always like to ask the guests Uh-oh. before we close it out <laughs> is if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself during that ground zero moment, mm-hmm. what do you think you would tell yourself in that conversation?
2: own it that's it just own it Um, own every emotion uh, and just it's not I'm not going to say it's going to be okay because be okay means the end you you know there's always a new beginning at the end of the movie so just own it just own this moment and I did but I would just say own it you know who was responsible for that moment it has to be if you think about it who's really responsible I mean if you put in perspective it was all me My dad was being consistent who he was. I knew who he was. It wasn't a shock to me. So I was the one that was ditching school and I was the one that didn't take it serious. And so um, to think that I was not gonna get any blowback would be stupid. So I have to own that. So that moment was on me, even though he was reacting, I still own my actions. And when people own their own actions versus pointing the finger at everyone else's actions, that's when change really happens you know it's not saying you have to be perfect but you have to own every every action you, you do
1: yeah i think the words i am responsible can go a long way
2: yeah 100 um, percent.
1: but seriously with that again perfect cap to another wonderful conversation here today julian again thank you so much for sharing before we go uh if anybody wanted to follow up and get in touch with you after the episode goes live what would be the best way for them to do so
2: well, LinkedIn is one of them, just Julian Sato, S-A-D-O, and Julian with the A-N, I-A-N. And then you can always just Google me, Julian Sato. I pop up everywhere. So not to sound arrogant, but I, you can find me very easily on there. You find my website and everything else from just typing in my name. But be careful. After a while, you start getting weird things. After Sato, weird things show up. <laughs> so it's kind of short for another word that's not too popular. <laughs> so, so I'll just leave it at that.
1: Be careful out there, searchers. Anyway, uh, you heard it here first. uh, Follow up with Julian for anybody out there interested. uh, Julian, just thank you so much again for being willing to come on today. With that, everyone, always remember this is Dream Chasers Ground Zero, and there's nowhere to go from here. But uh, thanks again, Julian. Thank you.